Hello, everybody. Today is December 9th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, where we travel together through all 66 books of the Bible, reading them in context, and pointing out highlights that we trust will be helpful in giving you an understanding of how they all fit together. I'm reminded of a story of a man who was trying to work on a project at home while his youngest child was proving to be a constant distraction. Seeking to find a way to divert the attention of his child, he devised a task that would keep him occupied. He found a picture in a magazine with a world map on it. The man tore out the picture, cut it into pieces, and created something of a jigsaw puzzle for his child to solve. He challenged him to put the world back together. Then the father went back to his task, only to have his child return moments later with the world map perfectly assembled. The man was stunned, and he asked how it was possible that the child accomplished it so fast. The child says, oh, it was easy. On the back of the page that the father had cut up, there was a picture of a man. The child put the picture of the man together, and therefore on the opposite side, the picture of the world just fit together. The child said, if you get the man right, you will get the world right. And isn't that the truth? If we get the man right, we will get the world right. And as we've come to see in our reading through the Old and New Testaments, that man is the God-man, Jesus Christ. When we assemble the pieces of the Old and New Testament, we have learned that the world will be made right through the right man. If you get the man right, you will get the world right, and you will get the right message of the Bible. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your host as we read through these final books of the Bible. Today we start reading the 29th book of the Old Testament, the book of Joel, in its entirety, and we will start the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. In the book of Joel, we read of various judgments, some in Israel's past, some at the time of Joel's writing, some in the imminent future, and some in the far future. The judgments are linked to the day of the Lord. This means that the Lord will have his way, and the Lord will have his day. He is the righteous judge, and he has promised to judge the world in righteousness. We have already encountered many of the prophetic words concerning the judgment, but we have also encountered the promises of the Lord's reign in righteousness. In the New Testament, the apostles preached the day of the Lord definitively. At Mars Hill, the apostle Paul makes it clear that the right man will judge the living and the dead. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. So as we read of these past judgments and promises of future hope, let's keep the righteous judge in view and the promise of his reign in righteousness. Truly, the Lord will have his day. The day of the Lord refers to the ultimate time when Yahweh will punish and restore the whole world through Christ's first and second comings. The New Testament apostles Paul, Peter, and John assure us that the day of the Lord is coming in the future. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 3, and the book of Revelation chapter 16, the people of the earth will meet God's judgment. So let's read the book of Joel with its warnings, its call to repentance, and it's promised that the darkest hours are followed by the dawn. Joel chapter 1 The word of the Lord that came to Joel the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, give ear all inhabitants of the land. 
Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns, because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, and oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil, wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because of the harvest of the field, has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of man. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are torn down because the grain has dried up. How the beasts groan! The herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Chapter 2. The Day of the Lord Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people, like there has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale, like warriors they charge, 
Like soldiers they scale the wall, they march, each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another, each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city, they run upon the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters His voice before His army, for His camp is exceedingly great. He who executes His word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering, for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you, and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rearguard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else and my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke,
The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Chapter 3 The Lord Judges the Nations For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there, on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations, and have divided up my land, and have cast lots for my people, and have traded a boy for a prostitute, and have sold a girl for wine, and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold, and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks, in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away. For the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to His people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. In that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall become a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness, for the violence done to the people of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited for ever, and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood, blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, and this concludes our reading of the book of Joel. Joel's name means Yahweh is God. Internal evidence suggests that he prophesied in Jerusalem during the reign of Joash. 
Some suggest he is one of the earliest of the twelve minor prophets, following approximately ten years after Obadiah. He possibly could have known Elijah and Elisha in his youth. The major theme of the book of Joel is the day of the Lord. A day begins with sunset. The night for judgment comes before the dawn of the return of Christ and his reign upon the earth. God spoke to the prophets often in images. Joel sees the imminent judgment coming upon Israel in a vision of a devastating plague of locusts. The day of the Lord is described as a day of chastisement for Zion. God is calling his covenant people to repentance in Joel chapter 1 through chapter 2 verse 17. We will see similar descriptions of the day of the Lord as we read the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible. The day of chastisement is followed by a day of blessing to a repentant remnant and the judgment of the nations. Joel applies the day of the Lord to both present and future events. First, he references a present crisis, the plague of locusts, in Joel chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Then he warns of the coming Assyrian invasion. Finally, he speaks of a future judgment that is coming upon the whole world. In the present crisis, God is calling his people to consider their priorities. Why have they neglected to give God his due worship? In chapter 1, verse 13, he calls them to reflect upon their spiritual condition as well as their physical condition. They are to humble themselves, call for a fast, and cry out to the Lord. In chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, Joel then asked the people to turn from the physical crisis, the plague of locusts, and recognize that it symbolizes the Assyrian invasion from the north coming as a judgment upon them due to their disobedience. God, who sovereignly allowed the plague of locusts, was now allowing the Assyrians to invade and carry the northern kingdom away to be no more. Their land would be occupied by foreigners and become known as Samaria. He would permit the Assyrians to invade Judah also. Isaiah spoke of Assyria's role as God's instrument to bring judgment upon his people who had become a godless nation. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, and the staff in whose hands is my indignation. I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury to capture booty and to seize plunder and to trample them down like mud in the streets. Isaiah chapter 10 verses 5 through 6. God's army in Joel chapter 2 is actually the army of Israel's enemy, the Assyrians, being used as God's chastising arm, bringing judgment upon the land. Joel uses the locusts to describe hordes of invaders spreading over the mountains. He graphically diagnoses their condition. They are responsible for turning God's Eden into a wilderness. Joel chapter 2 verse 3. Once again, God asked the leaders to sound the trumpet and call for a solemn assembly in chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. God's character of graciousness, patience, and love should inspire us to be responsive to Him as a people. As individuals and as a community, we should recognize our need to repent and return to walking in His ways when He calls for the trumpet to sound. The Lord promises the dawn of deliverance after the dark time of judgment. 
Whereas there will be restoration after the exile, a more permanent deliverance is in view. The new covenant age, known as the last days leading up to the day of the Lord, climaxing with the return of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, we read, It will come about after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants I will pour out my Spirit in those days. During the Old Testament period, the Holy Spirit was only given to a select few, those who were appointed to specific tasks, such as the craftsmen building the tabernacle, Moses, the judges, King David, and the prophets. But in the church age, the Spirit would come upon all kinds of people, all mankind, men and women, young and old, Jew and Gentile. God promises that a remnant will be salvaged from every tribe and tongue, and it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Joel chapter 2 verse 32. The Apostle Peter did not say that this prophecy was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. He said that this is what Joel spoke of. There is more in the prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled, such as Joel chapter 2 verses 30 and 31. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Joel reminds us that the nation of Israel, north and south, will be restored, and the nations of the earth will be called to judgment in Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and following. They will be gathered in a great battle during the tribulation period in the valley of Jehoshaphat, meaning the Lord judges. Joel lists some of the sins that the Gentiles have committed against the Jews. All sin, including anti-Semitism, will be brought to account in chapter 3, verses 2 and 8. Joel chapter 3, verses 9 through 15, describes what is known in the book of Revelation as the Battle of Armageddon. This is when the armies of the world gather to war against the Lord and destroy Jerusalem. This battle is described metaphorically as God's means of bringing judgment fully and swiftly to the nations. The judgment is likened to harvesting grapes, thus the expression, the grapes of wrath. God will defeat the enemy as decisively as one plucks ripened grapes and has them trampled or crushed at the winepress. The Lord brings them to judgment as swiftly as the swipe of the sickle that brings down stalks of grain to have them sifted, separating grain from chaff. The permanency of God's vindication is clear, but Judah will be inhabited forever and Jerusalem for all generations, and I will avenge their blood which I have not avenged for the Lord dwells in Zion. Joel chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Our next stop in our Bible reading tour is the New Testament book of Revelation, and we will start with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, and read through to verse 20. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. 
grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive for evermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament from the book of Revelation. We have come to the last book of the Bible and it is the crowning conclusion to the history of redemption the book of Revelation. It is not necessary to understand every detail in order to profit spiritually from this book. It is the only book in the New Testament that has a God-given guarantee that you will be blessed if you read it, hear it, and heed it. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation, seemingly 278 of them make some allusion to the Old Testament. That is 68.8% of the verses and some of these verses contain two or even three allusions to the Old Testament. However, by a careful study of the Bible, we can understand that most of them come from the prophetic books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah. The book is rightly titled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation is apocalypsis in the Greek language. We get the English word apocalypse from it, and it means unveiling, although in our contemporary language 
it is often used to describe some catastrophic event similar to those found in the final judgments God brings upon the world according to this book. John records the book of Revelation in the last decade of the first century. He is the only surviving apostle of the original twelve. John's brother James was the first of the twelve to be martyred in Acts chapter 12 verse 2. John would be the last of the twelve to die. The Roman emperor Titus Flavius Domitian demands that he be worshipped as Lord and God. Christians who refused this edict are persecuted. John is banished to the island of Patmos off the coast of Asia Minor, inhabited by prisoners and lunatics. There John receives the revelation of Jesus as Lord and God. The Father is giving this revelation to the Son, who will give it by an angel to John on the island of Patmos. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We know that both Moses and Daniel received God's word with the help of an angel. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, Daniel chapter 8, verses 16 through 19, Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 through 23. But the book of Revelation is the only book in the New Testament that is given by the mediation of an angel. Angels are referred to 67 times in the book of Revelation. John is told to write the things he is seeing in the present moment. This is what is recorded in chapter 1, his seeing the glorified Jesus on the island of Patmos. He is then to record the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, Christ's direction for the seven churches of Asia Minor. Finally, he is to record the things which will take place after these things, in Revelation chapters 4 through 22. He is writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor, but the letter is immensely instructive for us today. This divine unveiling discloses that Jesus is Almighty God, the second person of the Trinity. He is the sovereign ruler of the earth, in chapter 1, verse 5. He is eternal and shares the attributes of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He is soon to be coming in the clouds as appointed judge of the whole earth, in chapter 1, verse 7. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Jesus shares the eternality of the Father and the Spirit. He is the Alpha and Omega, who is and who was and is to come, the Almighty. John first hears the voice commanding him to write what he sees and send it to the seven churches of Asia Minor. John then turns and sees the voice that was speaking to him, the person of the glorified Lord Jesus is standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Each of the candlesticks represent a different church. The purpose of the candlesticks is to illuminate the Lord who stands in their midst. There are clues here that the apocalyptic imagery is not to be taken literally, but that they are symbols pointing to the majesty of our Messiah. His garments are those of a judge, king, and priest. His white hair symbolizes his eternality. His eyes are like a flame of fire. They are all-knowing. Fire can be warm and inviting, and fierce and consuming. 
Fire can reveal that which is durable and combustible. With his eyes he can judge righteously. His feet are like burnished bronze, suggesting judgment. The brazen altar is where fire consumed the sin offering. His voice is like the thundering sound of the great falls of the Niagara River. Out of his mouth comes the sharp two-edged sword, which represents the word of God. His face shines like the sun in full strength. The seven stars represent the seven messengers of the seven local churches in Asia Minor. Are these the pastor teachers? The good news is that the Lord holds these messengers in his hand. He places these messengers and these churches where he wants them to shine for him. We will read more tomorrow. Our next stop in our Bible reading tour is Psalm 128, and reading this psalm is Peter Healy. Psalm 128 Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall a man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Thank you, Peter. This psalm, Psalm 128, is one of the Psalms of Ascents. When moms and dads would be traveling with their children to Jerusalem for the annual festivals, it is fitting to have psalms that express gratitude for the family. The psalmist describes the blessing when parents and children become fruit-bearing disciples. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. In verse 3, the psalm concludes with a prayer of blessing, a benediction. The Lord bless you from Zion and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And for our final reading, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. This is one of the most misapplied Proverbs. It is not speaking of our need to envision a preferred future. The vision is not speaking of something emerging from our imaginations, but is speaking of a revelation of God's righteousness in the law. Without the word of God, we are lost, unrestrained, and fall apart. But happy is the one who is reconciled to God's person, purpose, and power in order to fulfill righteousness. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Lord of all, you hold all in your hands. Even the wrath of men will serve your sovereign purpose as you refine your people. Thank you for your faithfulness, your compassion, and your goodness. Thank you for the promised deliverance from our enemies, the corrupt world system, the old sin nature, and the devil. Help us to stick to the path of life, the highway of holiness. We praise you for the Holy Spirit who anoints us for service. 
Make us fruitful disciples in the family of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we certainly have taken in a lot today, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow and continue to read the Minor Prophets and the Book of Revelation. So if you'd like a written commentary on our one-year Bible reading, you can subscribe to a daily email at newlife.org. Also, you are welcome to contact us with any question, prayer request, or testimony by writing podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may you be mindful of the unmerited favor that we have in Christ Jesus, who has made peace for us so that we might know in our experience a peace that passes all understanding through the Holy Spirit. Shalom.